0: Hello, hello. How are you doing? Welcome back to the Sustainable-ish podcast. Did you enjoy last week's episode all about seasonal veg? Has it got you thinking more about where your veg comes from? And importantly, I guess making any changes. I will totally admit that this time of year in the UK might not be the time to embrace seasonal veg unless you are a particular fan of cabbage, but definitely something for us all to think about once the hungry gap is over and as we head into the summer and autumn. I can't think about autumn already. Right then, I am super excited about this episode. I'm excited about all the episodes, but this one I feel like gives us a really tangible one thing we can go and do to make a difference, which I am absolutely a massive fan of. (laughs) I'm chatting to Steve Shaw, who is the Director of Power for People, a not-for-profit organisation campaigning for the UK to rapidly transition to 100% clean energy and for this to benefit local communities. Now, Steve has actually been on the podcast before, way back in episode 44, talking about how to get your MP to take action on the climate crisis. If you haven't listened to that one already, then please do. It's especially helpful if you're a bit like me and not entirely sure how Parliament actually works and how new policies and laws become a reality. Power for People's latest campaign is called the Local Electricity Bill, and I know that has the potential to sound a teensy bit dull, but please bear with, because it's totally not. Local energy production is actually super interesting and feels really relevant at the moment in the light of the gas price crisis, that's hard to say, (laughs) that we're currently experiencing. And, as I said, this episode gives us all one simple, easy thing to do, which is write to our MPs to ask them to support the bill. Now, I know, again, this sounds super dull and super grown up, and it can sometimes feel totally pointless writing to your MP, especially if they're in a safe Tory seat like mine is, but it only has to be a couple of lines. And whatever reply you get back from your MP, forward it to People for Power and they will help you to follow up to give us the best chance of getting more MPs on board with this. Honestly, this has the potential to be huge, hence my excitement. So often the climate crisis feels overwhelming, and so often it feels like the government are moving in entirely the wrong direction, but we feel really powerless to do anything about it. This is something we can do about it. With the support of just a few more MPs, this bill could really get some traction and become a reality helping to transform the energy landscape across the UK and make it much, much easier for communities to set up local renewable energy projects that have benefits for local people in terms of job creation. (laughs) I really can't talk today. Job creation and lower energy bills, a total win-win, right? So let's make it happen. Please, 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 please please do write to your MP after this episode. I think we usually get about a 1,000 downloads for these podcasts a thousand letters to MPs would make a huge difference i'll share what i've written to my mp in the show notes in case you're looking for inspiration or feeling a bit blank it really doesn't have to be complicated and take ages literally 10 minutes to you know write an email and get that whizzed off so Do drop me an email on jen at sustainableish.co.uk if you do write to your MP. I would absolutely love to know. And also share that you've done it on social media. Tag me at sustainableish as well because I just love to, to see when people are taking action. Share this episode with friends, with family, with colleagues. Ask them to write too. We absolutely can make a difference with this one. Let's do it. Hello, Steve. Welcome to the show.
1: Hello, Jen. Thanks so much for having me back.
0: I know, I was going to say, I should be saying welcome back. I was just scrolling through to find out what episode it was you were on before, episode 44. Um, And you were talking to us about how to sort of engage our MPs around the climate crisis, which is great or was great, but talking specifically about something else today. But before we dive into that, for anyone who hasn't listened to episode 44, can you introduce yourself?
1: Sure. So uh, my name's Steve Shaw. I am the director of Power for People, uh, which is a, a, well, now a not so new NGO, a few years old. And we are campaigning uh, to help stop climate change. We focus on the UK. We focus on energy as well, because we see that as perhaps the biggest piece of the puzzle mm. in, in, in stopping the climate crisis, but certainly one of the biggest pieces. And we are trying to achieve two specific things. The first is we want to see the UK rapidly transitioning to 100% renewable energy, and we want to see that transition benefiting people, benefiting local communities. It can't just be you know big infrastructure projects that just make loads of money for big companies. It's got to benefit local people and local economies. People need to see and feel the benefits that are happening, which is obviously totally realistic. So we are campaigning to introduce specific changes, policy changes, laws that will achieve those two things.
0: Amazing. And feels even more relevant at the moment. We're recording this. Uh, It's the 8th of March. I think it's day 12 or 13, isn't it, of the, um, the, the war and the situation in Ukraine. And there's lots of talk at the moment. The sort of fracking agenda seems to be back on the table. And Um, I just was reading a headline that um, apparently Boris is about to give the go ahead to more sort of oil and gas production in the UK and things like that. So this kind of feels even more relevant, even more timely than ever at the moment. We've talked a little bit about community energy in the past. Um, I did a podcast in the summer with um, Brighton Energy um, Cooperative, who are a great example, I think, of local and community energy. And I've been sort of looking on your website, because we're going to talk today specifically about this local electricity bill, aren't we, that, that um, you're trying to get through the commons. But explain to us what community energy is.
1: So community energy doesn't have a specific legal term in the UK. Uh, so it does get described in different ways. But I think the best is to take a broad understanding of it. And that is where you have energy generation of some kind like solar panels on uh, in a field or a wind turbine or a, a hydro unit in mm. a river and that it's owned or run or owned and run by local people so that's probably then going to be a local group of some kind that have organized themselves now it might not be completely owned by local people and it might not be completely run by local people but local people and pr- as i say probably as a group uh, maybe like a cooperative or a, mm. things called a CIC, a um, community interest company. So they have got together, organised themselves, and they they are at least in part running it and or owning it. Now that's quite a broad definition, and of course within that you get different permutations. But the core of it really is local people have a stake. That's the key. Mm. That's what makes it different. That's what stands it apart from you know a giant wind turbine that's just been built by. A right. big energy company that, of course, is a good thing to help stop climate change, of course, but very different to if, say, the community owned that turbine and then are receiving maybe reductions on their energy bills or some kind of uh, pay payback stake or just uh, saying, oh, well, you know, now we've got, you know, there's a bunch of new local jobs because of the various things that have had to happen to make that turbine be built and maintained and so on.
0: Okay, because I was going to say, like, why does it, you know, make a difference who's owned and and built these specific things? but Community energy has benefits within the community is kind of what you're saying.
1: Exactly. Lots of benefits. Yes. So you see, you're seeing like a direct um, economic benefit. It could be on prices. So there are community projects right now where, uh, for example, the solar on the roofs of a particular block of flats is actually giving the residents in those flats a reduction on their bills. Could it be more timely? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) You know, know, given the situation um, of energy prices and so on. But then there's other knock-on benefits. So another nice example um, is there. um, there's community energy groups around the UK right now who help people locally who are in fuel poverty. So they might advise them, put them in the right direction uh, in terms of ways they could insulate their homes. There's community energy groups that are contributing to local projects. So there was one that put some of its revenues that it had earned towards refurbishing the local sports centre. So there's a whole raft of potential things that can kind of be created as knock-on benefits.
0: Mm, yeah. So this all sounds marvellous. Why don't we have more of it?
1: Well, we, we really don't have a lot of it. And, and just to, before I answer that question, <laughs> just to give a sense of the scale, because you, you would think, gosh, this is so great. Well, and you say there's-, there's It was all, a bit yeah. of a
0: no-brainer and a bit of a win-win.
1: Yeah. Yeah, isn't it? It's all great then, isn't it? There's Lure out there. It's doing great stuff. Um, it's about scale. That's the problem. So at the moment, there are a few hundred of these groups around the UK, mm-hmm. uh, lots of solar in southern England and mm-hmm. quite a lot of, of, of wind in Scotland, but all kinds, really. Some urban and some more rural. Right. But overall, they are generating about half a percent of all of the UK's uh, electricity. Right. So tiny, absolutely tiny, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. one two hundredth. Of all of, of our electricity. Wow. Now, that's if you look at other countries like Germany, Denmark, um, even parts of the United States, they have a far higher proportion of these kinds of, of community-owned, community-run energy projects. Now, they are different nations. So, what could it be here? Well, last year, the Environmental Audit Committee, which is the group of MPs in Parliament that advise the government on environmental policy, they do rigorous inquiries. They did an inquiry into community energy. And they said from their inquiry that it could be 20 times more in the UK by 2030, so within the next sort of 10 years or so, if the right changes are made, if the right policy and regulations are put in place, basically.
0: So that would be 10% then, if I'm just doing a bit of quick maths in my head?
1: Yeah, it would. Although, again, let's do a bit more maths. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I knew my maths would be wrong. <laughs> no, 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 no. no, you're,
1: no you're, obviously, you're absolutely right there. But then... What we also have, and this is actually why campaigns that are for more renewable energy are so important, the amount of electricity that we need is going to go up. Right. It will go up yeah, and yeah, we yeah. need it to go up because the total amount of, remember, electricity and energy are two different things, aren't mm-hmm. they? Most of our homes and uh, vehicles are mm-hmm. powered by fossil fuels still. Gas is powering you know the heat in most of our homes sure. and petrol is powering most of our vehicles. Now, we... If we're gonna again stop the climate crisis mm. we've got to transition quickly so that most of our homes buildings are heated by electricity that's mm. renewable mm. and that most of our vehicles are powered by electricity that's renewable mm. which is totally possible it is you know the engineering the physics of it it's all possible yeah. it's about the rules and the market and all that all that stuff so then it's not just that it's only half a percent of our electricity generation right now it's that our electricity generation needs to be so much higher as yes. well and at the moment our renewable electricity in total in the UK is about 8% eight or 10% of our total energy needs. God,
0: is that
1: all? Yes. Yeah, so sometimes you'll hear this thing where it's like, oh, it's, it's about a third, of, um, a third of electricity is coming from renewables in the UK. And you think, oh, that's brilliant. A third? God, that's really going well. But it's like, yeah, but then that's because electricity is only powering a, a portion, right. quite a modest portion, of all of our energy needs. So it's easy. Journalists do this. You see this a lot in articles. You get mm. a confusion between electricity and energy and it's understandable, but it is important. If you want to understand this area and it's becoming ever more important, mm. you, you do need to spend just a moment to discern the difference between electricity and yeah. energy. Anyway, back to your question. <laughs> so what's needed for this, this huge potential for, for community renewables to go up to 10% but then potentially way beyond 10% of our current electricity generation because that's another thing as well it's not that 10% is the thre- that that's the threshold mm. that's just what could be what we could see in a growth mm. in 20 uh, in 10 years next 10 years time and it's regulatory change it's changing the way the rules and the market for energy are governed in the UK so back in the 90s we had uh, the early 90s we had privatization of the energy system It created um, the big six, which are now Mm -hmm. not really the big six anymore. They've changed a bit, but, you know, created these big six utilities. And we all went and, you know, became customers Mm -hmm. uh, of of those utilities. And back then as well, you know, we had big power stations that were generating and sending their energy out across the grid. Mm -hmm. So the rules that were designed back then, they roughly made sense. They were trying to introduce some competition, which whether you think it's right or wrong, good or bad, you know, that's what they tried to do. And Mm -hmm. they largely made sense to try and do that and they largely did that and it went okay for a while but of course that was nearly 30 years ago Mm. and we we live in an extremely different situation now because of the ability to build smaller scale relatively cheap uh renewable generation solar now solar panels are incredibly cheap in comparison Mm. to what they were even 10 years ago wind is now the cheapest onshore wind is the cheapest form of generating electricity in the uk Mm -hmm. so the rules haven't kind of kept pace with this and so what you've got is you've got a situation where if you are a community group and you own that generation you just can't sell it to local customers right or put it another way around you and I can't be a customer of the local generation so if there's a community group locally who are doing this we we can't be a customer of this we go to a big licensed national utility So that, so these groups, these community groups, they've got this generation, they're selling it to the utilities for a very low price, around about best, uh, best they get for their contracts is about five pence per kilowatt hour, which you don't need to understand exactly what that means. Just You need to understand it's, it's five, about five pence of the unit, whereas we buy at the moment, well, it's going up to around about 19 pence per kilowatt hour, yeah. more indeed. Now, of course, there's some costs to be paid for, you know, within that gap. Um, the grid needs to be paid for, and obviously it's a big company that's, you know, got staff and so on. but the system at the moment and the, the rules and regulations that govern it, they don't recognize that when energy is used closer to where it is generated, that that's very efficient. Right. So ideally, you want to have a situation where, let's say you have a car. I know it's not the most sustainable form of transport, but, you know, lots of people have cars. I have a car. And ideally you <laughs> want, okay, well, there we are. So... You want to be charging that electric car, where maybe a bit in the future, where you know most people have electric cars, you want it to be charging that off the, roof, off the solar on your roof that's perhaps stored in a battery and then you're mm-hmm. charging it overnight. But if not, you want to be charging it off the neighbor's roof solar that was generating and then stored in a battery, or maybe a school down the road that's got solar on it. The reason you want to do that is because the, the further down wires electricity travels, the more is lost as heat. Um, you might remember from your physics at school.
0: We've got an electric car. We've got um, a, a thing that lets us, you know, switch around what's charging where. So when the sun's out, we can tell it to charge our electric car, which is great. And some of that is exported to the grid. But obviously, as a small household, we're not paying this grid connection fee. You're talking about if these community energy companies start pr- producing for the grid, is that right?
1: That's right. Yeah. Okay. yeah. I mean, so th- it's it's useful to make a distinction between domestic, where yeah. you just have some ro- you have some solar on your roof. And then a community energy scheme where they have, it's a bit more of a scale. So, again, yeah, sure. it might be a, you know, like a, a, there might be a river near you and it's got yeah. a hydro unit in it, for example.
0: Yeah. So, um, at the moment, if you have like um, solar panels on a roof of a hospital or a school or there is a community energy project, that energy goes into the grid um, and goes off. I don't understand, goes by some wires somewhere to a big power station and then gets sort of disseminated back out to households. Is that right? In a very simplistic way.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it goes along the wires and gets to where it needs to be used. Yeah. Okay. yeah. And, that's, and the grid is one single fully connected system. Yeah. And In fact, it's even connected internationally. We have these big cables that go across to Ireland, up wow. to Scandinavia, over yeah. to the Netherlands and France. So the grid goes beyond our borders, our national borders.
0: So in in my head, this is the analogy I'm using, in my head, there's a massive, massive like hose pipe or something. And when somebody turns there that's just sort of running and it's got lots of little tributaries coming off it, lots of little things coming off it. And when somebody turns their kettle on, a little gate opens and some water or energy goes down to that house. Is that kind of like a really simplistic?
1: Yeah, (laughs) I mean, (laughs) um, unfortunately, to try and imagine it like water pipes... Um, it sort of helps, but it only goes so far in explaining right. how it works. Because
0: we, we may just have to accept that it's too big there's, for my brain there's no, to
1: handle. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely disagree. I think all of this stuff is absolutely understandable. Something I hear a lot, it's only been a few years that I've been involved in this kind of policy area, mm. um, and I've obviously picked up the knowledge I've needed. There are experts who advise us mm. who are far more um, good on the detail than me But something I hear a lot from all kinds of, you know, allies as well as um, those we're trying to convince in government is, oh, it's so complicated. Mm. Oh, energy, it's so complicated. Yeah, I mean, but lots of things are complicated. And I'm not sure it really is that complicated. And I'm starting to wonder that actually when someone says, especially in energy policy, oh, it's so complicated, what they're really saying and perhaps even saying in their own head is this is too difficult to try and change. I don't Mm. really want to change this. I don't, I just don't accept it. I think, Mm. I think it's possible. I've explained it to my friends and people I've met at, you know, gatherings. It's not that complicated. Yeah. I mean, the first campaign I worked on was for um, introduce the doorstep recycling collection. It was the law that did that, that we put out each week. Mm. Yeah. That was really complicated in some ways, you know, different distribution, local authorities collect waste, but county authorities have to dispose of waste you know the trucks and this Mm. of course Mm. it's complicated but in another sense well it's not really yeah it's not that hard to understand how you know you throw something out it has to go somewhere gets recycled or burnt or chucked in a hole or you know so
0: so so when we have the the issue at the moment is that if you're producing um any you know as a community energy company any kind of volume of energy it has to go into that grid and and could feasibly you know it probably will be used locally but it could feasibly be transported up to Scotland or wherever to be to be used there and the government there's no difference in sort of how that's seen. And what we need is local energy for local people. That sounds like something off um what was it? What's that that sketch comedy sketch show with Royston Bayesian or wherever it was talking about. Um yeah. Ooh, anyway.
1: Oh I don't know. <laughs> Sorry.
0: <laughs> um so, a good slogan. Yeah. But how do you make the energy stay within the local grid? That's what I don't understand. How do you create these local grids?
1: We want a grid. We're not trying to say there should be local grids and, 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 you know, different grids. grid is a big expensive thing. But what we do want is we want the rules of the market that kind of lay over what is physically happening to first better represent it. So, like I said before, better make costs um, that are paid reflect that if it is locally um, generated and used, and there are ways of measuring that. Right. Um, that, that Therefore, that there's like some kind of, of, of saving. Mm, it mm. should, you know, if you're a big energy utility and you own a big gas power station that's generating electricity, well, your connection costs should be higher mm-hmm. than if you're a small community energy cooperative with some solar panels.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So almost that it should be on a pro rata basis rather than, a I don't know, just a, say plucking figures out of the air. £100,000 to connect whether you're like a gas station or you know, I've got a full of
1: solar panels somewhere. Yeah, that's right. And there are ways of doing this. Um, This is where it it, it does require some sort of people to carefully look at, you know, the current rules and to decide, okay, this is how they need to be improved and reformed. And that's really all we're asking for. We've drafted um, this thing called the Local Electricity Bill. So a proposed law that lays out a mechanism within it that would do that. We're actually adding a lot more detail to it now because of the stage we've got to in the campaign. But the, the, the key principle is, yeah, it's, it's to reform those rules to better reflect the benefits of community energy so that then you can have community schemes selling to local customers.
0: Mm.
1: Once you make that possible, then the potential, the massive potential um, that the Environmental Audit Committee noted last year mm-hmm. in their inquiry, it can be realised once they can sell to local customers, they have a route to market is the sort mm, of mm. technical term, then yeah, then obviously lots more of them could, can spring up around the country and will, absolutely will. There are so many that want to get going, but they look at the way the finances for it work at the moment and they just, they turn away because mm. it's just not worth it. Almost all of the community energy schemes that exist at the moment are still being paid with a thing called the feed-in tariff, yes. which was the subsidy that used to exist. They got contracts for the feed-in tariff that last, you know, some of them up to 20 years. Mm. So obviously they're still getting paid that. But the feed-in tariff is, has been cancelled. It's gone. So there's no more subsidy. Mm. Don't even actually need, in a lot of situations, we don't really need subsidy. We just need the right rules and regulations. Another, another interesting thing that, that people might... well it's kind of shocking really is there's been no growth in community energy schemes for about six years now wow none and it's because of everything i just said i don't know
0: if a lot but certainly there was one local to me i think that that you know sort of went under and and i think presumably that is because of these sort of unwieldy costs and the you know the red tape and the paperwork and all those sorts of things that they're having to deal with exactly the same level of form filling and bureaucracy as British Gas are.
1: For most of them, the the subsidy they were getting has now gone or is soon to go, mm-hmm. and there's no way that they can be financially viable mm. after that. As I just as I yeah. just just said, so so what we're trying to do is just make a situation where they're they're financially viable. Yeah. And it's really about proportionality. It's really about sort of scaling the burdens on them as a, as providing locally, as a, as as they as would sort of be reasonable. It's a bit like a nice analogy is, um, uh, you know, if you, you have a corner shop um, that's selling groceries, you know, they pay they pay some business rates and so on, but they are obviously paying various costs based on the size of the, for their business. Mm-hmm. And if if you know if down the road there's a massive supermarket, you know, well obviously that pays you know, bigger business rates and their other costs are bigger. Um, And obviously that's just an obvious correct thing to do. And by having that proportional rule set in the way that the retail market works for groceries, it means we can have small corner shops for groceries, Mm. which which have lots of benefits. Like you can pop to them and grab something quickly or whatever is your benefit. So isn't that great? We can have that with energy. We can have all these wonderful community energy schemes flourishing all around the country if we make it that the costs reflect Mm. Uh, the benefits and that the costs reflect their size but we don't have that right now that's what we're trying to achieve we're trying to get the rules changed you've got to go into parliament and into Westminster and into Mm. government for this you've got to go and do regulatory change if you're going to get the scale change you want
0: so you've introduced this and and I remember talking to you last time you know completely I had no idea how sort of lobbying worked and how Bills got introduced and all these sorts of things. So, for anyone wondering about that, do you go back and have a listen to that episode because it was a real eye opener for, for someone completely naive around politics like me. But so, you've introduced this local electricity bill. You've got 300 MPs behind it at the moment.
1: 301. Oh, amazing.
0: <laughs> um, and you've got a list, haven't you, on your website of the MPs that have uh, signed up to say they will support it. I've had a look, my MP isn't on there. This sounds to me like an absolute no-brainer. I, what, what are the disadvantages? What might he come back and try and baffle me with to tell me that it's something he doesn't want to support?
1: He may come back with the, the government's current position, which is, oh, well, it's sort of, you know, it's definitely a good idea. You know, we agree with the broad aim of, of this bill and, and this campaign. Of course, um, you know, community energy is wonderful and we really want to see it mm-hmm. flourish. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But we're just a bit concerned that, you know, as the bill is currently written, you know, this this might have some unintended consequences. The market is very complicated. Rules are complicated. You know, there's um, the existing big utilities. You know, they, they have various burdens on them and obligations on them, um, legal ones. How is a small community, you know, supplier, how are they going to be able to do those things? Oh, that sounds like oh, I'm not sure that's going to work. Let's right. just keep it as it is. And by the way, look, we've got some plans in the pipeline that are going to basically do this. You know, they're called this and that. And uh, so and we've got we've got it under review. So don't worry. It's all in hand. That's possibly the kind of response. I, are, you,
0: are you the letter writer for my MP? Because that sounds exactly like probably what <laughs> you will
1: say. <laughs> I've, I've just seen a lot of a lot of the responses. Right. <laughs> And, and that's a kind of, you know, on the face of it, that sort of does sound kind of reasonable, doesn't Sounds it?
0: Sounds reasonable, yeah. Yeah. And you makes biz- it sound reasonable. Yeah. Well,
1: yeah, indeed, <laughs> um, which is why it's so important, I think, to have organisations like ours, because we can facilitate the advocacy of people who, who are pushing their elected representative for something that they want. And, so, and that's exactly what we do. So what I would ask you to do is um, to please write to your MP and ask them to support the bill if they're not on that list on our website. Mm -hmm. and whatever they write back, I mean, if they write back saying yes, well, brilliant, well done, that's great, and please send us that, because we obviously would like to make a note of that and make sure we tell the bill's sponsors in Parliament. But if they say no, and whatever reason they give, whatever they say, send it to us, because often something that looks, you know, very reasonable on the surface of it isn't, Right. in short. And also, as I said, sometimes the MP, you know, they've possibly gone to a policy expert within their party, Mm -hmm. and they think they're saying what's totally reasonable. Right. So it's about sometimes you get really good engagement happen. So we can we can some we often advise. Well, you could write back and say this. Okay. um, And then and then you get an interaction happen, and the MP obviously then starts to go. Oh, I've got to engage with this a bit more and understand what's going on. And we've had MPs in the past go. Oh, what I've been briefed on isn't really quite right, and i oh, okay. I you know, yeah. And they say yes, or, or, or at the very least, of course, what they'll do is they'll they'll push back to the, you know, whatever internal mechanism that is going, is saying mm-hmm. that if if it is perhaps an MP from the from the Conservatives, mm-hmm. you know, they'll be pushing the government position saying, look, yeah, it, it does seem very reasonable what my constituents are saying mm-hmm. here. I think I think we need to look at this, mm-hmm. and that will help so much. As well, and it's a shame because, of course, you don't see that as a constituent, and I mean, I hardly see it, even though I'm, you know, interacting with them a bit more directly. But I can assure you, it does happen, and it's so valuable. So, but whatever, it's very simple. Write to MP and then send us the response, and we'll we'll help you.
0: Um, So I go on there. I write to them. My assumption: I may be doing my to services. I will get the bog standard pat on the head, um, you know, Tory line, and then I send that to you guys, and you help me sort of rebuff gently rebuff um, or open a debate with him just one constituent doing that will that is that in enough sort of rebuttal to make him think oh actually i'll look at this again or do we need 10 people per mp do you know i'm, I'm sure it's a how long is a piece of string question and obviously the more people doing it the better um, but you know if i'm thinking well i'm probably the only person in
1: my constituency who's going to write to him about this is it is it going to have an impact it can do one person can make a difference
0: that's
1: the theme of this podcast, so well done. <laughs> I, I, oh, great. How oh, good. Is it? Oh, that's great. It's true. I'll give you a nice example. My sister uh, lives in Sir Geoffrey Clifton Brown's constituency. Um, she lives in Sire Ancestra in the West Country. And she, probably because she's my sister, and I talk about this <laughs> quite a bit, she wrote to him more than once. Now, initially, she got, I think, I think initially she got nothing. Right. Um, and then she got the government line. Uh, which is, uh, I mean, oh, I always find it a bit unimpressive when, it, mm. when it, you know, a constituent clearly cares and, and all they get back from an MP is, is sort of just the the, the the party-generated line. But then, well, anyway, that's what she got. But after after pushing, I don't know how many messages she wrote. Um, you know, it was a bit like a sort of, I don't know if anyone's seen the Shawshank Redemption, but it's actually a brilliant example of how this works. Eventually, he he said yes, and he supports the bill.
0: Amazing.
1: Now, some of the... Some of, the, some of the campaigners I know, when they found this out, were astonished because he is not the kind of... Right. ...who supports really anything like this or yeah. really anything other than what the party says. Sure. So there's a nice example. And I, now she did that on her own. Of course, there might have been others. Uh, I, we probably do have other supporters and there are other people in the constituency writing, but it really can just be one person. Mm. But of course, if you can get more people locally... Yeah to help you that's going to make such a difference and often it's the first piece of advice I have I was like I say is well do you have a neighbor or someone nearby mm. you know who you could just say hey oh, I'll be so great if you could just you know send this message mm. if you think if you think this sounds like a good idea
0: you know presumably if you're part of a I don't know a WI or a football club or a like could you even um I know that part of the primary curriculum is for schools um for children in I can't remember key stage two to write persuasive letters could, could that be what, you know, if, if you're involved in a school that your school is like, we would love to have solar panels on our roof as part of a community energy project. But actually, you know, at the moment, it's logistically very difficult because X, Y and Z, And um, we would love you to support, you know, our school is asking you to support this
1: bill. I think it'd be brilliant. I think it'd be absolutely brilliant. It's an area um, we haven't um, we haven't focused on that much, but not just because we I wish we had more sort of yes, yeah. Yes. No. And imagine, imagine another nice way to always think about this is an, an answer questions like that is, well, imagine you're an MP and imagine you suddenly get from one or a maybe multiple of children. In your constituents this class of, of yeah. Yeah. Well, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. think of the impact that has on you now, whether you like it or not, you know, it's you're going to remember it. And mm-hmm. also what a wonderful knock on benefit for those children yeah. to be able to have had that direct practical experience of engaging with a mm. with a, the local elected representative one of the things we need to solve climate crisis is good advocacy skills yes the ability to push our elected representatives to do the right thing mm. and yes. um it's, it's i mean it's sadly it's sorely lacking it's understandable because people do feel disengaged and disheartened yes. yeah, yeah, and yeah. I, I understand i totally understand that but we we need it. and it, the thing is it does work it totally works i can I know because I've watched it happen on multiple successful campaigns. Mm. Like, I mean, I gave you the example of, you know, when you put the recycling out each week, that was a citizen-led campaign where people were writing to their MPs. Mm. And at the time, the government didn't want it. Uh, most MPs initially said, no, this is a silly mm. idea. Go mm. away. You know, just go to the local car park and stick it in the bottle bank. But with people lobbying their MPs, that
0: completely turned around.
1: Yeah. It works.
0: And And, you know, this... Community energy does feel like a no brainer. Why don't we have, you know, every public building, every school, every leisure centre, every doctor said you just, you know, covered in solar panels so that they're using the energy when they're in there and anything extra there, you know, can be exported and used locally. How many MPs do you need to be supporting a bill in order for it to be passed?
1: Well, technically, so long as you've got a majority, then you could win any vote. V- bills go through a series of sort of stages where they get debated and then there's a vote. So if you've got a majority of all the MPs, you technically could make sure, you know, they all turn up and how you win the MPs, vote. How many MPs I yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm
0: whispering because I should know that.
1: As, uh, as every single citizen of the UK knows, I'm sure. <laughs> um, so we have 650 MPs.
0: Okay, so you're nearly at the halfway point.
1: Yeah, so technically if you've got 326, so that's half plus one, mm. you technically could win any vote. But you've
0: got to hope no one's ill on that day. Exactly. And, you know. <laughs>
1: so, indeed. So the way, um, well, the way that I have seen success happen with campaigns like this in the past is you get much more than just that mm. m- majority of one. Sure, and yeah, it's yeah, usually yeah. It get, as it gets up towards the 400 mark, so where you're really absolutely confident mm, mm. of. And ultimately, it's not even actually about winning, winning votes. Although there sometimes are votes on uh, bill, bills that are campaigned for like this. Really, it's about convincing the government mm. that they should give it their support. Because the government, here's a little bit more um, parliamentary education. The, the government controls, largely controls the timetable of Parliament. Right. And so they have a lot of of sort of decision making power over basically what bills even get any time. Oh, to, OK. To so if burnt. something's
0: only got 100, they'll go, oh, yeah, we'll schedule that for September 24. And, you know, it, it never kind of gets the light of day.
1: Yeah, kind, kind of. Yeah. We have these sort of parliamentary years that are called sessions. So so long as a bill doesn't make it through a session. It, it falls, it, it kind of expires. Uh, okay. And so the government just has to knock, keep knocking a bill back yeah, yeah, yeah. to the point where it's, and then it's like, oh, well, that didn't make it. Then Oh, so it didn't get time. That's a shame, isn't it? <sighs> but understandably, again, you know, the government, understandably, they're not going to, th- there is only so much time in yeah, the parliamentary sure. schedule. And if a bill's got 20 MPs supporting mm, it, well, mm. it does make some sense that they're not going to mm. allow it time. Now, I don't think the government should be controlling the parliamentary timetable. That's a separate uh, constitutional problem. I'd love to campaign them, but there's only one of me. So what you do want is to have a, a, a very large majority of MPs supporting oh. something. And then that makes the government go, gosh, you know, yeah, this, this really does deserve, does deserve. Does yeah. deserve us. At the very least, we should engage with the lead sponsor MPs. Oh. If there's a campaign behind it, you know, engage with them, try and figure a way out. And the great news is we have already got to that stage. Oh wow.
0: So so what are the, the timescales we're looking at? Like this. Is the parliamentary session a year? Is it a term? Like, how long have you got to get these 400 MPs and to get this heard?
1: So, well, yeah. So whilst I said a bill expires at the end of a session, which usually is 12 months, you can kind of bring it back again and Mm -hmm. try again. And that's what we've been doing for the last sort of few years because it takes that amount of time to build up the support, public support and MP support.
0: This bill has been something you're working on for years.
1: Yeah, several years. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm. Mean, well, I mean, don't thank me. I'm. You know, I get. I do get paid to do this. The people to thank are all the all the people who who help the campaign mm. just because they think it's a good thing. Mm. You know, I. I mean, I can I can talk till I'm blue in the face, but it doesn't do anything unless unless people uh, actually help get me. on
0: it and write to their MPs, lobby their yeah, MPs. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and
1: so so they're the heroes, not me. Yeah, we're getting close. So what we'll do is when you've got to a point where you really do have a, a, a big majority, mm. maybe getting up to that 400, there's two routes. Either there's a, a type of backbench bill called a ballot bill, and that's where one backbench and people introduce it. And then, you know, that weight of support, will see it go through and right. into law. That's how the, uh, the House of Waste Recycling Bill that I mentioned became uh, okay. law. Yeah. The other route is the government say, look, we really do think this is a good idea. We will introduce it as a government bill and we will, you know, make kind of make sure it goes through basically. But we'll we'll work to work with you, you know, and and we'll make sure that we're all agreeing it and so on. Um, And that's how the climate change uh, bill went through and became the Mm -hmm. Climate Change Act. So both citizen campaigns, but those two different routes. We don't obviously mind which way it happens, Mm -hmm. but we are at the moment we have started discussions about how it might possibly happen. The energy minister, who's called Greg Hans. He's received um, obviously lots of um, lobbying. He's had debates in parliament where lots of MPs. So can have stood we write up.
0: to him as well? We can write to our MP and we can
1: write to him. You could write to Greg Hans, yeah. Because you can write to a minister because of course, whilst he's an MP, he's also a minister. So he's he, you know, he's he is the he is the single person in the yeah, government sure. who is representing this and is and is dealing with this. It's his brief, as they Yeah, sure. So, say. so you could write to him, that would be great. Yeah, write to Greg Hans.
0: And presumably, if if I get a you know a stock response back from my MP, and you say actually that's not quite, and I get in touch you guys and you say that mm, I think he might be being briefed a bit wrong, but then I can write to Mr. Hands and say your brief's a bit wrong.
1: <laughs> well,
0: you, you could. <laughs> and he'll listen to me, obviously.
1: You could no, well he they, he will pay attention. I mean, if ministers receive lots of correspondence, they they it can help. But I what I would really emphasise is please please focus on your MP. Mm-hmm. It's much more. Beneficial overall. I mean, if you do feel you want to really, you know, <laughs> do extra, then mm-hmm. fine, do write to the minister. But I think it's better to focus on your MP. And if your MP, you might think, "Oh, my mp's supportive," because there's now, you know, a lot are. It's better to to write to them and push them to do more. Right. Because lots of those MPs who said I support this, you know, they're quite passive. Okay. Again, understandably, because they sort of think, "Well, I've said I support that. Great. Yes, good. You know, I've done me, what though. I can right. Yeah. But now there is more they can do though, and the more they do the better they can do things like they can they can stand up in in the house of commons and ask a question to greg hans right. and that makes greg hans think gosh there really is quite a lot of interest in this, yeah yeah, yeah
0: yeah
1: they can have bespoke debates on it um and which i say, there was one happened back in november which was, there was um mps from all parties there they all stood up the minister has to be there and respond. so he got you know he got all this yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all these yeah. mps saying it and they can write uh formal parliamentary questions to him so i mean that it's, there's other things they can do, but they're probably the core things. And so asking your MP to sort of, uh, we say, ask your MP to promote the bill in Parliament, to kind of champion it.
0: So we write to our MP and they either say, yes, I'm supporting it or no, I'm not. Either way, can we come back to you and say, this is the response I've had from my MP. And, and if they've said, yes, I'm supporting it, you can say, OK, brilliant. Now ask them if they will do X, Y and Z.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, please do. And please do. If you if you you know if you feel you don't know what to say back to the MP, to your mm. MP please do ask us to help. Show us the response and ask oh, us brilliant. help. Where my team really really shines, or one of the areas they really shine is, they are very good at at giving literally tailored one to one
0: assistance
1: oh, to to people on yeah. how to engage with MPs. So yeah, we are here to help you. This is this is one of the one of the ways that that the campaign is is really effective. Yeah.
0: So I mean. My sort of podcast numbers, we normally get about a thousand people listening per episode. I mean, if a thousand people wrote, that feels pretty good. Is that sort of enough to, to shift the dial a little bit? And if we all tell our friends to write and that kind of thing, like, does, does you know, a thousand people, is that, is that meaningful?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. That could make all the difference. You'd be surprised. It's relatively small numbers of people can do immense things.
0: Yeah, that's sort of three and a half percent figure, isn't
1: it? Yeah. You, look, look, you can look back at some of those amazing, you know, citizen campaigns, public people, you know, people campaigns of the past, like, you know, the, the, the abolition of slavery and um, mm, the, the universal suffrage. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, there were, of course, there were very large numbers of people who agreed, but it was often a core of active people, more active people mm. um, who really, you know, they, they did the legwork. Mm. And so, yeah, you know, never think that you can't make a difference. It's just not true.
0: And I think this this kind of thing is great because, you know, I'm sure like lots of people, I find it very off-putting, the thought of trying to engage with my MP. You know, the times I have, I've got what feels like a very stock response back and a sort of pat on the head and there, there, go away, dear, kind of thing. The fact that this is something really specific I can ask him to do and the fact that I know that... You know, if I feel like I'm being brushed off or if I feel like, oh, I don't think he's taking me particularly seriously or whatever, I can come back to you guys and you can help me then tailor that response. I mean, this is one of those occasions where, you know, it might take me, depending on how quickly or otherwise we type or write or whatever, you know, 20 minutes to send an email. And this could have a really profound impact on how we source our energy and in that transition to renewables and things, it feels like something really concrete we can do and get our teeth into, which is brilliant.
1: Absolutely. And I I think you really touched well on the on the power of this. It is being able to say something specific. Mm. Imagine again, imagine you're an MP. If someone's if a constituent says to you, Oh, I want you to help stop climate change. I'm Mm. really worried about it. Of course you'll say you know i mean almost every single mp i i think you know would say oh, yes of course i i i'm, I'm, and I'm yes. doing things to do that yes so okay great but if if you say something specific oh look there is this you know there's this bill mm-hmm. i want you to put your name to it tell me you support it and then help it push the minister to back it push mm-hmm. the government that's specific that becomes binary they either have to say yes or no and that's mm-hmm. much better that's what that's what their job is to res- to represent you on those kinds of things
0: yeah yeah. Brilliant. There's
1: one other thing that I would really like people to do, which is um, we like to keep people informed. And so it really helps if you sign up mm. to our, our supporter list, which you can do on our website as well, because there's going to be moments where it might not be right to MP. Right now it is. It's right to MP, please, mm. as, as we've said. But there might be a moment where, where say there's a critical vote coming up and we're worried the government might um, push against it. So it's might be that might be the moment of everyone write to the minister. Now, now now. You know, we've got a week. It's in a week's yeah, time yeah, Go. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. of course, if you're on our list, we can then get you that message and hopefully you can get, get something out. And that and again, I have seen that kind of activity make all the difference on campaigns like this.
0: Okay, brilliant. So we need to
1: come to your website, which is powerforpeople.org.uk.
0: Powerforpeople.org.uk. We need to sign up for your um, email list and we need to, and there is a button, isn't there, that says says write to my MP I think do you have a do you have template letters B what are your thoughts quickly on template letters? <laughs>
1: yeah we, 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 ne- we never provide template letters okay. um, we really don't recommend them We've got kind of li- we've got we've got uh, kind of guides and there's a sort of list of points you can make and so on and like I say, we can always help you so you, you know if you if you want you can send so even us a with message. that initial
0: letter if I'm thinking I don't really know what to say, I can get in touch with you guys and you can help me
1: It can be short just literally um, hi, I really would like you to support the local electricity bill. Because community, it'll help community energy, and that sounds great. Please let me know if you do. It needs to be. Oh, only need to be a sentence. It, it don't
0: have, doesn't have to be some massive articulate
1: policy. They've had briefings from us. They, you know, and they can get more briefings from us. They can get the detail from us, or, or indeed, the sponsoring MPs. So, and you've
0: you've got um, on the website like the briefs and stuff, haven't they? So presumably, I could, you know, if if you if you've if you've forgotten the brief or you haven't sort of aware of the brief, here's the link to for the briefing for MPs.
1: That would be brilliant. That would make it. A, that would make it a really good message. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Absolutely.
0: So it can be that simple. It can be a a two liner. You know, I would love you to support the local electricity bill. I think it's a it's you know super important part of our transition to renewable energy and and fight against the climate crisis. Here's the briefing in case it's been lost along with lots of others.
1: That would be a really lots great of message. love.
0: Kiss, kiss, kiss. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: love and hugs. Yeah, I await <laughs> <Sure>. your response. <laughs>
0: Brilliant. Oh, that's super helpful. I love it when we have an episode where there's like a really concrete thing that, that people can do and that, you know, fingers crossed, feels like it will make a, a significant difference. Are we talking about, I'm so impatient, are we talking about it happening this year, the bill?
1: I think it's it's possible it might happen, if not this year, within the next session, which starts in May. So, oh, so you how know, do you
0: have the patience to play such a long game? I'd be like, come on, I want this red next week and I want it <laughs>
1: Yeah,
0: and then if it, you know, if it all goes through, touching wood, um, how quickly does something like that become law? How quickly could we then have community energy groups springing up much more easily?
1: Um, I wish I could give you your instant, yeah? <laughs> instant results, desires. Yes. Um, so if if it goes through, let's say let's say it does go through next session, mm-hmm. which will probably be early next year. So it becomes law. As soon as it goes through, it's law. Okay. So we have the new law. There's going to be some implementation involved. Um, The exact detail we're obviously still thrashing out. So it's probably going to take, I would say, maybe it's going to be probably about another six, 12 months um, before that kind of really gets worked out and properly implemented in terms Mm. of the new Mm. regulations and the way the market works. I might be wrong. It might happen sooner. It partly depends on government will, which partly Mm -hmm. depends on how much public support the campaign has. So, but you know let's say it's roughly that and then uh and then yeah once those new rules are in place then yeah the a community energy group could do exactly what um what we're saying you know sell directly to local yeah, people yeah, yeah. have that route to market and new ones would start springing up and then it's again it's then a prediction of well how it's probably going to be you know there'll be a maybe a small you know it will be a bit slower at the start but then it will pick up speed as more and more places and mm. you know more and more people get involved and there'll be yeah 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 you can like any sort of new uh, opportunity you know it often kind of takes a bit of time to pick up momentum so i mean i'm just being really realistic but then that said you know within within five years
0: mm.
1: we could have seen a doubling tripling of the number of community schemes we've currently got yeah, yeah, yeah. and then that inquiry from the environmental audit committee last year it said within 10 years we could have 20-fold increase and that's not the limit that's not the limit it would go up and up it, that's on an exponentially growing yeah, yeah, trajectory yeah.
0: and you know that's time frames we need isn't it you know if we're looking at 20 2030 is is looming very you know coming ever quicker isn't it um so you know that that is the sort of time frame that we need these things to be taking off and being implemented really rapidly within
1: yeah and as a bonus there's one other reason why we need this because and this is goes right back to why the two things i said we we want to see happen it's not just about building more renewable generation People have got to see benefits. Mm, mm. People have got to feel that it's, it's working because there's going to be a lot of changes to people's lives if we're going to do the transition that we mm. need to do. You know, you're, it's going to be, it's been easy so far. It's been largely, you know, building big offshore wind farms and closing big mm. coal power stations, which is great. But it's now going to become things like you can't have your petrol car anymore. Mm, and mm. that gas boiler, you can't have that. It's, we're going to yeah. start to feel it closely. And the risk is, that a Nigel Farage type character comes along and whips up opposition to it, and it doesn't happen. Mm, mm. And the antidote to that is being able to feel and see the benefits in your life, and in your community, and in the local economy. And that's what community energy does.
0: So, community energy should, and um, if it works in the way that you're proposing, mean cheaper energy bills because it's um lower cost of generation and things like that and obviously at the moment there's a huge um issue in terms of cost of energy and things like that is it that simplistic but it
1: or, or or you get a job you get a job at the new community mm. energy cooperative because they they are employing people because they need staff because yeah, they yeah, professionalize yeah. they're not volunteer run anymore
0: sure
1: or you or your you know your neighbor or the you know the 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 community centre got refurbished from the community energy yeah, yeah, company yeah. fund, yeah. and you just think this is brilliant. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: It's all of that.
0: Yes, and um, oh god, do you do you have? I mean, you must get frustrated. Like this feels like a, this needs to happen. This feels really real no brainer. Come on, guys, banging my head against a wall here. Do you do you feel ever feel frustrated, or are you?
1: Um, I think I I don't because. I think I'd feel frustrated if we weren't getting anywhere. Mm. We have seen, we've seen growing support from this right from the start,
0: and it's cross-party support. Looking at, on the website, it feels feels that's like it's
1: that's right. Yeah, yeah, 116 uh, Labour, 116 Conservative. Oh right wow! Now. All the Dems, almost all the SNP. Pl- yeah, I mean it's yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Keir Starmer's backed it. Angela Rayner's backed it. So Graham Brady, who's chairman of the 1922 committee. Oh, that's, okay. the, that's, the, that's, the, that's the absolute key backbench committee of the Conservatives. He's yeah, one yeah. of the sponsors. Oh, wow. Yeah, this has got real strength, but yeah, we're yeah. not there yet. Don't think this is won. No,
0: there's not in the bag. We, we need, need to...
1: It, is, it, it will be won by by you. Right, you <laughs> all are, of yeah, us.
0: Us writing letters to <laughs> yeah. our MPs. Brilliant. Oh, thank you so much, Steve. Anything I've missed out or anything you want to add
1: if you want one more bonus, yeah, okay, go for it. a bonus, bonus. Some people are really enthusiastic and they really want to go the extra mile, or they have an MP who's really, really mm. being absolutely brilliant. Like Hillary Benn's a great example. He's a, he's a Labour MP in Leeds. Fantastic, the efforts he's making. Um, Vera Hobhouse, Liberal Democrat um, in Bath, um, or actually the Bill's lead sponsor, David Johnson, Conservative um, in Oxfordshire. So, what do they do? You can go and meet your MP, and that makes an even bigger difference. And actually, if your MP is being really difficult, giving you the, the rubbish line mm-hmm. that, you know, is clearly just a party line, I would say you really want to go and meet your MP. And we help people, we help connect people locally. So you can try and go in a group. Right. Um, yeah. We'll brief you. I'll talk, I'll talk you through it on the phone. I've seen lots of people do this. I know it can sound a bit intimidating. When first time I did it, before I was worked in politics, mm. I found it intimidating. Yeah. But, but really, it's not that hard. You don't need to be an expert on the, on the subject at all. It's not about that. We can we can really help you. So if you think that might sound like something you'd be up for, yeah. we would love to hear from you.
0: And is that um because I've never um you know I sort of write a letter and then run away and hide. Can you rock I know MPs have surgeries, can you rock up to their surgery or do you make an appointment? Like how does it do you take them out for coffee? How does it work?
1: <laughs> it used to be that a lot of them had a sort of physical surgery in a fixed space and it was usually on a Friday afternoon. And then you book an appointment. Right. That's still quite common, but a lot more now are having, um, you know, online. Virtual, virtual online calls. Yeah, uh, yeah okay. or, or meet, you know, virtual online meetings. So Yeah, so um, it really will depend on your MP. They should put it on their website, um, you know, how they, mm-hmm. how they do it. And usually it's on a Friday. That's when yeah. they're back in the constituency.
0: Okay, brilliant. Um, and again, you'll help. You'll hold our hand and, and help us do that.
1: And yeah, just get it. in touch with us. I will. I will. As I say, I will have a have a. Have, I will talk you through it on the phone. If that, if you feel yeah, that would yeah, help yeah. you, um, I'd love to. Can I, do, can I just it.
0: have you like on in the other speak in the other ear? <laughs> <laughs> I'm
1: like,
0: hold on a minute. Hold on. Uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> interesting. I, oh well, maybe we could implement that.
0: Yeah, yeah, like a TV presenter. You know that you've got the producer in your t- ear telling you what to say. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Mention economic ben- benefits. Mention economic benefits. Yes.
0: <laughs> Talk about <my> jobs. <laughs> um, brilliant. So I will um so just tell us the website once more. I'll put it in the show notes and I'll put all the links and things in the show notes, but just tell us the website once more.
1: Powerforpeople.org.uk.
0: Fabulous. Thank you so much, Steve. Thank you for your time. It's been absolutely brilliant. Guys listening, I would absolutely be so delighted if we had a thousand Emails winging their way to um, MPs within a week of this. Let's see what let's see what we can do. It feels like something we can really get behind. Um, thank you so much for your time, Steve, and thank you for all your campaigning on this. It sounds absolutely brilliant.
1: Thank you, Jen. It was lovely to chat to you.
0: You've been listening to Sustainable-ish, you wonderful sack of loveliness, with me, Jen Gale